is that time of the week. It's time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Elise Menneker here, your host, and I'm joined today by Tony Andraki, digital content manager at Marquee Sports Network, and Bruce Levine. He's been covering sports in Chicago for over 30 years veteran baseball reporter so happy to be with you guys today how you doing we're doing great Good. i always love the intro bruce, and talk about uh, how long bruce has been covering <laughs> i always love it. it's like synonymous with introducing bruce anywhere he's been you doing know it the uh coverage uh the, the over 30 years that hasn't changed in over 30 years so <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot longer but uh no it's it's great to be with both of you and uh Talking some uh, baseball, first place Cubs, um, you know, it's uh, interesting moving toward the all-star break where the Cubs are going to fall in. Yeah, Bruce, you're a veteran, right? Like, let's just get to it. And for the record, Bruce told me to say he's been covering sports for over 30 years. So that is from the man himself. But like Bruce is talking about, let's actually get to not just talking about the team, but the probably the hottest topic this week and being how MLB is cracking down now on foreign substances when it comes to pitching. So all the sticky goop spider tack uh, is no more as of Monday. And so pitchers, quite frankly, can't use anything except the rosin and so now I want to ask you guys about this and I actually Bruce want to start with you because you've been around the game so long and you've seen so much over the years this seems to be a trend if you will in baseball that things happen the commissioner's office does something about it and then baseball has to respond when it comes to this what was your reaction mid-season to get these protocols sent down well I guess Major League Baseball knows what it's doing the question is, are they doing it at the proper time? And I think that's the biggest disconnect that I hear. I think there's a lot of whining for pitchers out there. And that whining means that they're absolutely have been using uh, substances to have a better grip and to, you know, probably benefit themselves. Fine. Everybody has been on an even playing field. They haven't been fining or suspending people for doing this up till now. Uh, so the whining is, is real. I think Major League Baseball's investigation into this is real and right. The timing of it seems very poor uh, because it's midseason, uh, because you're disrupting the way these uh, teams have gotten to this point. And uh, psychologically, you're uh, also hurting the pitchers and benefiting the hitters by automatically making the hitters think that uh, – they will see pitches that are easier to hit without all this tacky stuff on the ball. So I, I, I don't question Major League Baseball's intent and idea and uh, specificity of what they're trying to do. I question that this is the, probably the wrong time to do it. Yeah, Tony. I mean, I'm, you just heard what Bruce had to say. And, and for someone, too, who's been covering the game for a bit, just when you heard this come down, what were your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, the exact same thing with Bruce. The timing of it, to me, stood out. Um, and, you know, here in New York, we were talking to, you know, Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hadovy about it, and he said the same kind of thing, that they just got to pivot. 
but it was really interesting talking to Zach Davies, who, you know, as you guys know, doesn't really get too amped or emotional about things. And he let his frustration show a little bit about how, you know, it does stink that this is the time that they're trying to do it, that June 15th is when the memo comes out. It'll go into effect June 21st. We're almost exactly halfway through the season when this is all taking place. And he was like, why not start talking about this, you know, in spring training where pitchers could get used to this in a much more relaxed environment where they're not worrying about winning the game. They're worried about ramping up for the season. And I think that is a, a very important point. I mean, Tyler Glass now came out and, and says that just from using sunscreen and rosin, that combination and get a better grip that he was gripping the ball tighter. And that's why he hurt his elbow. So, um, you know, I think maybe we'll see more injuries. Maybe those injuries would have happened anyways, but either way, pitchers now have something to, to kind of point to. So I think the timing of it is definitely um, a challenge for all of these teams to try to figure something out on the fly. And, and these pitchers have been doing that for the last few weeks. They knew that this memo was coming down. They, they have already been trying to monitor what they're putting on the ball and, and what they're not. But, and I totally agree with what Bruce said about the psychological aspect. I think there's a psychological aspect to the pitchers, no matter what. But I also think that there's this avenue here where the Cubs come out ahead because the art of pitching that David Ross talked about the other day, like the Cubs have been preaching that all year. They had this, you know, low velocity pitchability starting rotation and a lot of similar guys in the bullpen. So now they have that exact same process here. Like they, they want to get back to pitching as it, in the entirety in the game, the Cubs have already been doing that. They've zigged while everybody else is zagged looking for spin rate or, or uh, philosophy or anything else. So I feel like the Cubs are maybe like a step ahead here. We'll see how it plays out, but that's the way I'm looking at it at the moment. Yeah. So let's talk about specifically the Cubs. You mentioned how Zach Davies kind of voiced his frustration, Tommy Hadaby saying that they just have to, guys have to get back to pitching. The Cubs staff, the word that you always use around them is pitchability. That is what they do. They are not high velo guys. They uh, have their movement and their location, but they are not going to blow it by hitters. So, Tony, I'll actually go back to you because you just brought it up and you kind of touched on this. But the way this will affect the Cubs staff, and you and I talked about this too uh, in another podcast where when everyone's zigging, the Cubs are zagging. And this seems to be another moment where you're just like, are they on to something? Like when this comes down and you think about their staff, it's like the one staff you're kind of like, does it really affect them that much? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, none of these guys are going to come out and say, yeah, we're using something else. Um, and the Cubs don't, the thing is they don't have a ton of high spin rate guys like Tommy Nance and is one in the bullpen um, that has come up and had a ton of spin rate. And, you know, obviously Craig Kimbrell with his kind of rise to his fastball has always been pretty good in that regard too, but it's not like Kyle Hendricks is out there with this elite spin rate or anything else. And, and these guys all, you know, him and Zach Davies and Trevor Williams and Jake Arrieta, they have long histories of getting by with stuff that isn't necessarily elite in terms of velocity or spin rate. And that's really what, what the spider attack, what all these sticky substances help to do is, you know, increase and en enhance these pitches, whether through, you know, adding RPM and spin rate or whatever. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like the Cubs uh, are, have a little bit of a boost here and it, it, it's just something that organization wide, they obviously took a look at it in the, in the off season and they were like, let's get back to the art of pitching. And they have a lot of the same guys. It hasn't necessarily worked out the way they wanted to. I know injuries and performances early on um, have kind of impacted the starting rotation. Trevor Williams on the IL right now. But I do think the Cubs are, are maybe a step ahead because 
they've been doing something similar to this, that this art of pitching that David Ross has talked a lot about, they've been focusing on that and preaching that for, you know, well into the winter. Yeah. Bruce, what do you think when you, when you think of this crackdown and how it could affect the Cubs? Well, I'm, I'm more interested to see how it affects the bullpen uh, because you have different arms with different stuff in the bullpen. And what has been the strength of the Chicago Cubs all year? It's been uh, the bullpen. Uh, That has been the, the key. I think they're, you know, ranked them top one or two in uh, baseball as far as uh, getting people out. Now, uh, the spin rate effect of the, the back end of the bullpen guys, is that something that uh, umpires will be looking at for the Cubs and other teams as well, not just the starting pitchers? Mostly, if you, if you pay attention, we've only heard from starting pitchers, uh, but we, we have yet to hear from bullpen people and how they think that's going to uh, affect uh, their performance. So, uh, not, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at the Cubs. I'm saying overall, will bullpens with the 98 mile an hour fastballs and the uh, the spin rates that are very high, will that be impacted by this just as well as the starting pitchers? No, for sure. I definitely think that's a great point. Those are the guys who you see coming out throwing easy 95 upper 90s plus, and and so now we'll get a taste. Um, of how it could affect them as of Monday when all of this will be enforced. And that's something too, that we'll also see how that gets taken care of by the umpires and the enforcement and how it looks, because this is also new to them. When also we talk about timing, timing for the Cubs and this schedule, this is the tough part. We all saw it coming, uh, but June, they start on the West coast. Mets this week. Uh, they have divisional opponents that they're going to face. Uh, so no doubt they knew this was going to be a tough stretch. What do you thought? I mean, now Bruce, I'll start with you. What do you guys think will have to happen this month as they continue to put pieces together, get guys back? And you'd have to think too, that these injuries aren't just going to stop. So what's the key as they really face, you know, the heat of this schedule? I think getting uh, back uh, on the field, the contact guys, uh, the, the Matt Duffy's of the world, you know, the Horners, I think that's uh, really missing right now. And especially if you watch uh, the Mets series and the Giants series and you see how they've been pitched to uh, and how the power guys are just, you know, doing what they do best. They either hit a home run or they strike out. Uh, so I think getting those contact hitters back for the Cubs is a key. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say on a team where uh, you have Baez and you have Bryant and you have Rizzo and you have Bryant having uh, an all-star season that Matt Duffy was a turning point and a focal point for the offense. But I would I would argue it long and hard that uh, that Duffy uh, changed the mindset of the team, not only by the way he played, but just as an example to the other hitters of what you really have to do and a two-strike approach. Yeah, Bruce, I'm 100% with you. I was thinking when you had guys like Duffy, Sogard, uh, even Marisnik at the beginning, a contact guy who's in that lineup, uh, it allowed, David Ross always says, be yourself, be who you are. It allowed everyone to be themselves and no one was trying to go outside of themselves and be the contact right. power and everything, guys. So, Tony, I think it's a great point by Bruce. Do you look at that? Is there anything else that you see too this month? Yeah, it's definitely the health. Everything Bruce just said, I echo. Duffy and Horner are the two guys that I'm 
looking at and, you know, have been asking Ross about in just terms of when they're going to start a rehab assignment. And Horner was doing uh, some pretty intense, at least it looked like it, you know, for me, not being a professional athlete, the kind of exercises he was doing on for his hamstring on Wednesday uh, to try to get going, taking some ground balls. We saw Matt Duffy on Monday taking some ground balls as well. So those two guys are key because of the contact, like you guys just mentioned. But I think with Nico too, it's also the defense. And I, the other aspect I'm looking at is the starting pitching that we talked a bit about. It's it's getting back to health. You know, Edward Elzali coming back from the blister, Trevor Williams coming back from the appendectomy. But we saw it play out Wednesday night. The Cubs need more length, more innings from the starters so that there is no uh, fall off from the bullpen, that they don't run into a wall. Because like Bruce said, this is one of the top one or two bullpen units in the league but they can't keep covering five or six innings every night. And if that doesn't change, if the Cubs aren't able to get length from guys who aren't Kyle Hendricks, then it, they will run into that. And, and this has just been such a tough month that almost the entire month has been playing against teams that are in first place or in contention. Uh, the West coast trip between San Diego, San Francisco and LA all in the same month. They got the Cardinals and Brewers in there, obviously this Mets trip. So it, it's all of this is, is, you know, the June swoon or whatever is, is possible and likely, and we're kind of seeing it play out to some extent, but yeah, it's, it's getting the offense back to the, the first Met series when Duffy really started playing a lot. And I agree a thousand percent with what Bruce said that Duffy helped change everything about the Cubs lineup and getting Nico back because that defense will help the starting pitching as well. I, just that gold glove elite range that he has out there. Those are the guys that I'm really focused on at the moment. Yeah. And the only thing that I fall back on when it comes to the bullpen, because I also agree with you where, you know, you have to start conserving uh, innings is David Ross's former, you know, catching experience that he'll rely on that and knowing what's best and how long to keep guys in and when to turn to certain guys. And we even saw that in uh, Robert Stock's start, like after the start and why he approached that the way he did as he went four innings. Uh, I feel like the injuries are just going to kind of be a part of this season. I almost don't expect to really ever see a full you hope to have every guy that you want out there, but it just feels the way this season is going um, that that may not be the case. And just for the record, Tony, what exactly was Nico doing? Was he jogging? Was that? Was, no, was that jogging would be pretty intense too, uh, from my uh, estimate anyways. But no, he was doing, uh, they had this like bar around his shoulders, like the back of his shoulders. And he was doing, you know, kind of like high knees, but yeah. like jumping a lot and, and kind of sprinting. I've seen it before. I have no idea what this exercise is called. Um, but yeah, it definitely looked intense. Okay. So, right. Put it all together. It sounds pretty intense. You know who else has been intense and amazing and fun to watch? Patrick Wisdom. I mean, you want to talk about this offense. You want the contact guys back. You want Patrick Wisdom to sustain this success. Bruce, I'm going to go back to because you've seen a lot of baseball over the years. What are your impressions of the way that wisdom since being called up the way he has played and hit specifically? I'm most impressed by the calmness of his game and the ability to play above average defense, uh, which has gone, I think, uh, under the radar. I, I believe that uh, his overall game has been impressive. Yeah. We've seen the, the nine home runs and that's, you know, that's the storyline in baseball, you know, this, 29-year-old guy, former first-round pick, 10 years later is getting his opportunity and he's contributing to the Cubs. There's no doubt, but just the overall performer that he is, uh, 
I'm not saying he's an everyday player in the big leagues for the next five years, but I think he's established the fact that uh, whether it's with the Cubs or somewhere else, he can help a team win in multiple ways. And I think that is the, uh, the key to him. You know, you've seen, uh, you know, you know, you've seen Alcantara, you've seen Ortega. Uh, Ross has used these guys to the best of their abilities and uh, done a beautiful job of implementing them, even though some of it was out of desperation, uh, just getting them in and out. I, I just, uh, I think a lot of that success goes to David Ross, but uh, it, it's, uh, it's really fun watching these professional players who've been at it for a long time, uh, getting an opportunity, making the most out of it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And with that defense, cannon of an arm. And I would even say, Tony, offensively, too, that when you talk about contact guys, I feel like sometimes it can be forgotten that I also see wisdom, though. He's generated such power, but he can also be a good contact hitter in that lineup because of the way he swings and he takes his walks. He looks at good pitches. He has good at bats. But what have you liked from wisdom as he gets called up? Yeah, I actually asked Russ a few weeks ago um, or a couple weeks ago, like right when Wisdom is getting started that like it seems like every count he's in a 3-2 count. And that's the case. Like some of them have ended up in home runs. A few have ended up in strikeouts, but he really is. He's working the count every time up there and and he's has that mentality to pass it to the next guy. And if he's able to just get a walk or work a single or some of these have resulted in strikeouts, but I, you know, obviously the home runs, he's carried, he carried the team, the final game in San Francisco. He has nine home runs, you know, over like a two and a half week span. That's more than anybody else in major league baseball. Like the, the power is real. Uh, the fact that like Bruce said that the defense, the ability to play third, first corner outfield spots, like they're staying power here in the, in the sense of at least being a role player, at least being a, you know, right-handed uh, guy off the bench that can play tune against lefties, pinch hitter Ross talked the other day about how he loved Wisdom's pinch hit at bats or just at bats off the bench where he's come into the game and really felt like he still kept the same approach as, as if he were starting or not playing for a couple of days. So yeah, at the very least, I think wisdom uh, is, you know, a bench bat uh, role kind of player moving forward, but definitely the possibility at least that this could continue to turn into something like a fan asked me on Twitter the other day, is he still a rookie and could he be rookie of the year? Like, yes, he is still a rookie. He could be the rookie of the year. He obviously would have to keep it up for another three and a half months. But, you know, right now it, it he's definitely up there. He leads all major league baseball rookies in home runs. Like, so there's a lot to like about wisdom. He does have this calm presence about him, like Bruce mentioned too. And, and it's really nice to be able to watch some of these stories that the Cubs have had a lot of them out of desperation too, uh, just because of all the injuries, but it, there's been a lot of cool stories on this team so far. Yeah. And even too, with these guys getting called up, you know, David Ross reminded us that even though we haven't seen them a ton in the big leagues, guys like wisdom Ortega, you want to throw Nance in there. They may be rookies, but they're not. These are guys who have been playing a long time and you'd have to think through all the adversity. That's where that poise and composure comes from. Even someone when we want to look at the pitching staff, like Robert Stock gets called up, um, makes a start against a tough next team. He goes four innings, which was pretty much the key because we talked about, you know, the starters, they need length out of them. Had six walks, gave up uh, five earned runs. So Tony... We talk about all of these guys coming from the I-Cubs. Do you see stock? Is this going to be his role? Just someone as someone who comes up and down? Or where do you see him fitting into even maybe the bullpen or rotation? 
Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a guy that could, um, you know, come up and down in kind of the Corey Abbott type of role that we've seen or, or Cole Frank, um, not Franklin, Cole Stewart. Uh, we've seen the same kind of thing. So I, I believe that like that's kind of what we're going to expect from from uh, stock here. It, you know, his ability to to dial it up to nearly triple digits. He, he didn't quite hit 100 in New York. But in the minors, all reports where he was hitting 100 and 101. And if he can do that, that obviously changes the calculus here for when we talked about the, the rest of the rotation, the guys like Hendricks and Davies and stuff that top out at about 90 or 91. So that would be that would give them quite a, a different look. But he's never been a starter in his career up until right now, up until the last few weeks. So that he'd be a four inning guy. He, he's not somebody that's going to give you a lot of length. But he definitely would give you a different look if he were in the bullpen or some length. I'm sorry, some length out of the bullpen or if he were in the rotation, he would give you a different look as well. So I, I think there's, um, you know, we can't necessarily judge everything just from the first start where he admitted he didn't have much command. But I think he's a guy that can absolutely factor in the equation moving forward because that velocity is real and it's very different from a lot of the other pitchers on the Cubs. Yeah, Bruce definitely gives hitters a different look. Where do you see Stock now after we've gotten to look at him uh, as a starter fitting into this rotation or bullpen? Well, uh, you know, I think he'll go back to uh, AAA and continue to uh, work at getting lengthened out. Like Tony said, I agree with him 100%. And I think the key to the second half for the Cubs and the other 29 teams is the fact that, hey, we have passed the marker of 60 games from last year. You will have pitchers that are uh, starting pitchers that will have a hard time making 30 starts the teams that can roll out the sixth and seventh starter even some games kind of like what David Ross said last night that you really if you read between the lines of what Ross said uh, and you both were on that zoom um, he said at times you're just going to have to sacrifice games for the good of your rotation he came he came up a little short of saying that but that's exactly what he's saying and and teams are going to have to do that and the teams that have the more more depth in starting pitchers that guys that can go five innings come up and give uh the rotation an extra day's rest two or three times after the all-star break those are the teams that are, are probably going to last a little longer and go deeper into uh, playoff uh situations uh some of them uh the staffs are going to break down and they're going to fall by the wayside yeah and i'll i'll Follow up with you on that, Bruce, but quickly, I just want to say too, the cool thing I think about someone like Robert Stock, because there's a lot of great stories when these guys are getting called up. He is someone who approached uh, pitching coach Ron Vallone in Iowa and said, I will try and I will be a starter for you because their rotation has also been in flux as guys are injured and getting called up. And so I think it's really cool that when you have someone with a team mindset, have this individual reward, and now he could be seeing, you know, he could be moving up and down if, if he can keep this up and, and Bruce then kind of picking up where you left off with that last point we've kind of touched on this but in talking about the bullpen and how at times they have carried this team and gotten them wins throughout this season is it sustainable or is that fatigue factor real and can that catch up with them if starters cannot give them the length they need I don't know if it's sustainable because the bullpens uh you know the max that they threw last year were you know around 25 some of them 30 games, which was a real max, you know, every other game. So uh, at what point do the bullpen arms start to break down here or be more importantly, ineffective uh, just because of dead arm syndrome. 
those are the things that we have to watch here in the second half because there's still 90 baseball games left. Uh, we're, we're, we're well past now what they played for a season last year. So I think the focus is going to be on um, Jed Hoyer and uh, kind of the stealth way that he's handled getting guys up and down and also manipulating in a positive way the injured list where maybe a pitcher is hurt to the point where he can't pitch for a couple days, but they take advantage of that, give him 10 days off, bring somebody else up. Uh, the other guy comes back not only uh, healthier, but fresh from having 10 days off. Uh, these are really important uh, ways that the Los Angeles Dodgers have handled their pitching staff over the last six or seven years. And uh, I, I think that, uh, that Hoyer has done a, a tremendous job of doing that. And he'll still have to do a great job of manipulating that to keep this uh, bullpen strong and the rotation functional going into the last 90 games. Yeah, Tony, how about you? Bruce makes a lot of good points there and how they've handled it so far and what it could look like moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I, I love Bruce's point. I know he's brought it up in the past too, just about uh, the silver lining of injuries. Like Edward Elzelite doesn't want to have a blister. You know, he's pitching well right up until the blister issue, but the Cubs were going to monitor his innings this year anyway. And now they have this kind of natural break where he can get back to hundred percent physically and maximize the innings that they have and the starts that they have of him. Same with Justin Steele. We don't know, you know, Steele has a pretty lengthy injury history as well. We don't know how many innings he was going to be able to go, but as he kind of rehabs from this hamstring here, he's been such a key part of the bullpen that you really want to see what he can do moving forward as we get into August and September and, and beyond if the Cubs get to where they want to go as well. So, uh, you know, I think those guys are, are the key look Keegan Thompson as well. You know, I talked to Thompson a few weeks ago and he mentioned like just being able to rebound when he was a starter, his whole career from college to minor leagues. And now he's a guy that has to pitch, you know, every two or three days physically it's a lot different for him. So for these guys to, to figure that out and, to be able to rebound and recover, it is going to be really interesting to see. You know, I, I think it's sustainable what the Cubs are doing, but obviously health is the is the big question mark here. Like the bullpen can keep doing what they're doing, assuming they don't get too worn down. It's just a matter of whether they can stay healthy, like Bruce said, over 162 games when we have three-plus months still here to play. So that is the big question mark. Um, there are guys that, that could come up and help too. Uh, you know, we've seen Brad Wick pitch well, Trevor McGill – you know, some of the other guys in, in the minor leagues as well. The, but the Cubs, the, the depth is going to be tested on the pitching front and in the bullpen specific. It's just a matter of health right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that we'll just have to see how things play out. And it, it seems like we were talking about the health will be the question mark throughout the season. Now, just how it is handled and finding, quite frankly, like you guys said, the silver lining in that uh, will be interesting. And to really just bring it full circle, it'll be interesting to see how the pitchers adjust to the crackdown on, you know, like no sticky stuff to, to summarize it um, because we'll see how that affects like Bruce was pointing out early on too, like the bullpen. Speaking of the Cubs bullpen coming up, you don't want to go anywhere because Tony, I don't know when you sleep. You also spoke to Tommy Nance earlier this week. We're going to hear more from him and talk about him coming up after this brief message from Wintrust. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs Checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. 
you coming up here and like finding success right away, what do you attribute that much to? Is it like how some of the veterans have, have you know, kind of embraced you? Like we've heard a lot about Chafin and, and Kimbrell and stuff. Like, yeah. Do you think that has made a, a major impact for you to, to kind of contribute from square one here? Um, it's definitely played a big role. Um, I'd say coming right up and, you know, having the success immediately, I think for me has a lot of years um, kind of coming to fruition, like in terms of preparation, like, you know, all that stuff. Like I was super nervous going out, like for the debut, but like really good with my, my self-talk and like this is where you belong. Like the game's the same here than it is anywhere else and like not to you know make too big of a deal out of it I think carrying that through has helped but like in terms of like the veteran guys like now moving forward is like I've had guys like Tapera come up to me in the bullpen and ask how I'm recovering asking like what my routine has been like because um, I know that's been one of the biggest uh, you know adjustments for me is like figuring out the routine because like in the minor leagues it's you throw one day 95% of the time you're not throwing the next day so then I, I can you know, take a day the next day, and then you know, I'll probably pitch either the ne that next day or you know, two days later. And like here, it's be ready, be available every day. Like that's why you're here, you know, to to be available for the team when they need it. So you know, in terms of lifting, um, you know, all the other like daily routine stuff, like Tapera, Chafe, and all those guys, like they've been super helpful. Um, you know, telling me what they do, what they've done in the past. And you know, it's just kind of me like trying out different things and like figuring it out what works for me. So, what, how different is that? You touched on an interesting point though, in terms of you know, AAA or the yeah. minors, kind of pitching every other day, a lot more structure. Here, it's about winning. What's the difference pitching in those two environments? Like, do you do you have you acclimated? Do you think to the point of you know, it's like, hey, it's about winning. Whether that is getting ready for the next day, where maybe you're not feeling 100, percent or just getting one out here or there. I guess, what's the difference? physically or mentally in those situations? Um, I think you kind of learn, like, so, like, being here, I learn very quickly perhaps what I don't necessarily need to do in terms of preparation. Like, you get so ingrained in your mind, like, you know, like, when I'm in the bullpen, I have to throw this many pitches to be ready for the game. Whereas, like, you know, I came in, I forget which game it was, I had to get going pretty quick. And I think I only threw, like, five or six pitches in the bullpen and came into the game. And I did, I did well. So that just tells me, and the other guys tell me too. It's like you realize you don't really need a whole lot down there. That is just to get your body moving. You have your eight out here, um, you know, before the inning starts, and it's more just kind of getting yourself locked in um, mentally. Yeah, mentally. Um, you know, before because I used to be a starter in college, yeah. so you know my bullpens before a game would be so many pitches, like way more than I need to. But it's like I have to know if my sinker is here today, if my curveball is here today, or if my slider is here today, and if it's not, I'll throw more until it is. Whereas as a reliever, you trust that you put all the work in every day, that it'll be there, and when it comes down to competing, like you're gonna make a pitch. Do you? With that, with the pitches, with the sliders, do you spend time like, just gripping it in the middle of the game? Like, how do you make sure that you have that feel if you only get maybe 15 warm-up pitches total between bullpen and, and the mound? Like, how do you make sure you have that? Um, so, I mean, I can talk about my curveball. Like, that I've kind of owned. Like, that's my pitch. Like, it's always been my pitch. Like, what I do you mean by that, I guess? So, 
sometimes like we talk about like oh that guy owns that dish you know, it's, I don't want to say it like has defined me but it's been like claim to fame bread and butter or something yeah, yeah okay it's not, like I learned the grip that I throw when I was that I throw now when I was 13 and I haven't changed the only difference is like obviously I throw it harder now um, and um, I've had that confidence. It's like I have my purpose. Like I, there's never a doubt. I'll have it. It's a feel. It's a feeling. Pitch. And you know, if I miss with it, I know what I have to do to get it where I need it to be. And to the point where, like, when, if you watch any of my warm-ups, like during a game, I don't throw any breaking balls. Like, all eight. I just throw fastballs. I'm like, let's, let's get this in and go. Do you mix the sinker in two or is it all just sinker four sinker four Okay. Just fastballs. Interesting. But, okay. I mean, I've told this to people in the past. It's not really like a secret anymore, I don't think. But, like, sometimes I want that first one to be a surprise to the hitter. Like, I don't want them in the box. Like, timing it up, you know, okay. seeing it, like, oh, he's got that, that's what it looks like today. I want him to see a bunch of heaters, and then, boom, curveball in the game, and they're like, what's that? And then, do you think that kind of works to your advantage, too, that a lot of these guys that you're facing have never seen you before at any level? Uh, yeah, I do. I think the hitters in the league are going to, like, feel me out, figure out you know, what I have, how it plays in the zone. But, I mean, that, that, on the other end of that, like, that doesn't worry me at all, like, if they do figure me out, because, like, I, like, my stuff, I have belief in my stuff that it can get guys out, you know, not just in my rookie year, but, you know, in the years to come, too. That belief, too, that you talked about, you mentioned early on, that, like, understanding and reminding yourself you belong here, was there a moment that you think it set in for you that you're like, hey, I do belong here, and, like, you really felt it. You didn't have to necessarily remind yourself of it, but you, you just kind of like immediately felt it. Do you remember a moment like that? Or? Well, it was right when my my cleat hit the rubber in my debut okay. on the dirt. Yes, yeah. So like you know, I, I was jogging out, like just trying to take in every emotion because you only you know you only debut one time, so take it all in, embrace it, and then you get to the mound and. My foot hits the rubber, like I don't really hear the like the crowd's there, but it's white noise. And like once it hits the dirt, I'm like, okay. that's kind of when the realization happened. And then in terms of just being up here, it's been surreal. Like even up till now, it's it, it, I'm settling more and more in as the days go by. Like I don't want to say I'm getting comfortable because that's not no, that's not what I'm that's not what I mean by that. It's more just. Uh, is it content or? No, no, because I'm, I'm never. Okay. I'm, I'll never be content. Like, until I retire, I'm always trying to figure out a way to do something more. Um, it's more like learning the ins and outs, like the scheduling, how things move and operate, um, and then it being part of like routine. So, up until like that's all figured out, it's like I'll catch myself. Saying, oh, man, I can't believe I'm here right now. But then it's like, no, this is where I should be. You know, I shouldn't think like I can't believe I'm here. No, like, oh, I believe it. Yeah. How, how has Ross helped you with that too? Just kind of 
I don't want to say throwing you into the fire, but really putting you in some high leverage moments early. I mean, your debut was, was a pretty big moment. Yeah. And, you know, the ninth inning close and out against the Nationals and stuff, but like just other high leverage moments or the fifth inning, seventh inning, whatever. How is that belief and really showing that you believe because you're putting it in the spot? How does that help you? I think it's funny, like, I think it's funny because I don't necessarily treat like an opponent different than another opponent. So like you say, oh like big situation, it was against the Nationals at home at Wrigley and I'm like, I don't even think about that. Yeah. Like I don't even like think about it being the Nationals, it being like a, you know, uh, like a rivalry. Um, I, to me it's, each team is the same. Like. I kind of grew up thinking like, okay, your opponent is nameless and faceless. Like, to some degree, I still believe that, but you know, when I'm facing guys, it's good to have a point, so it's good to know who it is. Um, but I mean, in terms of like getting thrown into those situations, like I'm kind of glad that's the way. I just throw me in the fire. And that's how it was when I got signed. You know, I was like 25, uh, signed in 16. And basically everybody told me, what everyone told me was, you know, it's either going to work or it's not. Like, you're old, you're old for, you know, your first time getting into affiliate ball. It, in that sense, it's to throw you into the fire. And if you can handle it, then we'll keep you in Pro Bowl. If not, we'll probably release you and you can go back to Indy Bowl. And, like, I always had, like, I knew that that was kind of the case. And I kind of like it like that. Um, being eased into something, I'd rather just get get right to it. And, you know, Jump he's into had a, a pool, lot of, or, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, he's shown a lot of trust um, that, that game, and then since then, you know, throwing in other higher level situations, and uh, I'm really thankful for you know that opportunity and him putting that trust in me. And it, it means a lot. It means that I'm able to contribute in a more meaningful way to the team, too, which is even more important. What does it mean to you when guys, whether it's Ross or other people, talk about your story and you just kind of mention that a little bit there with, like, hey, you're old for a prospect. I mean, you heard that. It sounds like almost kind of like an insult and you proved everybody wrong and you got to this point. Like, what does it mean to you when people talk about just this great journey you've been on and how inspirational it is or how cool this story is? I mean, I don't think about it too much. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it's meaningful to, like, other people, I think, more than myself. You know, like, if other people can draw inspiration from it, like, that's awesome. Like, uh, that's, you know, part of the reason why we do what we do is, like, and, like, that means so much to me that, like, if someone were to be kind of down on their luck, like, not sure if, not sure if they want to continue playing, and they, like, hear that, like, I didn't give up and I didn't quit, and they decide to keep going. They end up making it to the movies. Like that's cool to me, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny, kind of an insult in a way, like, like a 30-year-old rookie. You know, like, what took him so long to get here? And it's like all that, all that like negativity and um, I guess people counting me out like throughout the years has only like lit the fire a little bit more under me. You know, using it as fuel. Um, 
So is it one of those things where you kind of tune out the good and keep that stuff as motivation, using it as fuel? Is that, I, I don't know how that works for, obviously never pitched at this level, but like, how does that work? Do you kind of want that stuff that motivates you and maybe the compliments and stuff are nice, but like you just shove them to the side or something? Well, in a way, the good is expected. Like I think most of us, most of us are like, like this is our job. If we do something good, like yeah, you did your job. You know, we're not gonna dwell on the good things. Like, and it might be bad that we tend to dwell on the negatives. Like say you have a bad outing, or whatever. It's like all you can think about is like those, whatever, three or four bad pitches that you had. I think that's what that's what them pushes you. Like, you learn from adversity more than you learn from your successes. I think. And um, so I've always embraced adversity. I can't remember who it was. I heard like a watch a video or a quote. Um, someone was talking about like actually being grateful for failing. And I kind of like that, you know, um, like learn from it and then and then move on. And that's how you grow. I was talking to Wisdom about kind of a very similar thing about because he said he would go home and he would take like he would focus on maybe like the three at bats where he made an out and not the three on home he hit or anything else. When do you think that mindset changed for you? Was it obviously it must have been coming up at some point, but like what changed about it? Was it when you were a 24 year old coming first coming into uh, into affiliate ball? Like or is that something that's been innate? Something you had to learn? I guess you know when did it change? For you? Uh, like in terms of like building like the mental. I guess toughness yeah. and strength. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been an evolving thing. I think it, I was first introduced to it um, when I was at Long Beach State. Uh, Ken Revisa used to uh, come out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he used to come out and talk to uh, like our team at Long Beach State. And that was the first time I was kind of introduced to you know this idea of training your mind. And I was always really fascinated with it. And then, you know, we did a lot of that at Santa Clara. Um, and then, like, coming in, like, getting signed by the Cubs, we would do a ton of mental training stuff. You know, we would meditate. We'd do all these things. And, you know, um, and then just, like, throughout those years, it's just been an, an evolving process. And, like, I've read books and I've read all these things on, you know, how to, how to change your, your perspective on, you know, adversity and failure. And so I'd say, like, it's just only gotten more. Like, I still do it now. Um, I'll never have it all figured out. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the case for all these guys. Yeah. You said that earlier, too, like, you're never content until right. you retire. Is that the same mindset you've had, too? Like, I mean, is that the mindset you think that's kind of driven you through this entire process? I think that's a big reason why I'm here right now. Um, you know, I feel like if if I ever were to get to a point where like I, I have it all figured out, then to me it's like what's the point? You know, like the, the idea is like constantly grow. I think that like we as people like need to constantly be doing that in, in every aspect of life. Like I just treat baseball the same way. Like how can I how can I get that extra half a percent this off season? What's gonna what's gonna put me above the guy who I'm competing against? You know, for a job. As soon as I get complacent and content, then I'm no longer competing. That makes sense. What, um, I guess last one for me is, what 
what are you hoping for next? Like, not getting content and, and everything else, and obviously still enjoying the moment, but like, where do you want to go from here this season or, or in your career? Do you think about that at all, or are you just so focused on the moment that you don't even allow yourself to worry about the future right now? I think if I have a solid, solid mindset, like in the present moment, or like today, and then when tomorrow comes, I have the same thing. Like if I just keep focusing on the on the present moment, like the stuff in the future will take care of itself. But you know, I have to have a good plan right now. It, it's not just going to take care of itself because I'm here and I'm playing. I, I got to have a plan, and I, I want to keep building off of what I've done so far. And, um, there are things that I'm still constantly, you know, working on. Uh, you know, the one thing, like with this level of the game, is learning how to pitch with what I have, and like, you know, the the, the battle against each hitter. You know, it's how do I find holes and like this guy's a bad or um, like the game within the game. So constantly learning that. Um, instead of just going out and throwing. And game planning is quite a bit different than it was in the minor leagues, right? There's way more information. Yeah. So it's not necessarily taking all of that information because sometimes it can get overwhelming. So just finding what works for me, dumbing it down a little bit, and then um, you know trying it out and going with it. And that's been working really well so far. I mean, we do a good job of you know, providing the pitchers with somewhat of a game plan like going into the into the game like who's coming up um, you know in terms of like individual guys stuff and how it might play to individual hitters it's, of and yeah stuff. like you have some of it in the minor leagues but it's like amplified here so that's something that I've had to learn and get used to as well Tony, great conversation with Tommy Nance. Uh, I want to talk about him a little bit too as we wrap things up here, but what were your impressions after your conversations with him and just as you've seen him on the field and how he has impressed fans, uh, the coaching staff, just everything about him? What do you have to say and, and, and think now after talking to him? Yeah, it was really the one thing that stood out the most is what we talked about with Patrick Wisdom before, the, the calm presence and just demeanor that was exactly what I felt from Tommy Nance like he was so calm in the entire conversation and just talking and and he you know he was mentioning afterwards like he loves talking about the mentality and psychology of baseball and showing up every day and getting into a routine and you know baseball players love that they love talking about their routines and their uh, mental work that they do behind the scenes because this is such a mental game and so it was really fascinating for him to, you know, kind of take us a peek behind the curtain for a guy who we know his story. It's been incredible. You know, a 30 year old rookie. He was not drafted out of college. He had Tommy John right away. He was pitching an independent ball, signs with the Cubs, comes up through the minor league system. And now, you know, had the second best scoreless streak to start a Cubs career, uh, you know, ever. So like this guy is performing on the field. He has confidence. David Ross is immediately throwing him out there against the Washington Nationals in the ninth inning in his debut. And then next, you know, next two or three times out, he's in a big moment, a high leverage moment. So it's been a really cool story. Uh, definitely curious to see where things go from here. But he's, he's a really fascinating guy, both to talk to and to watch on the field. Yeah, definitely. And Bruce, I'll, I'll give you the final thought because you'd have to think the way that Nance is pitching, he is someone who will be a part of the long-term plans with this ball club. Well, it reminds me of uh, 1989 when the Cubs uh, surprised the league and won the division with a team of uh, 
uh, no-name guys other than Sutcliffe and, uh, and Maddox. And uh, the reality was is there was a guy by the name of Les Lancaster who had knocked around in the minor leagues and uh, came up and threw 30 scoreless innings to uh, fortify that bullpen. And Tommy reminds me an awful lot of him. And the, the 2021 Chicago Cubs remind me a lot of the boys of Zimmer of 1989. So we'll see if that storyline continues, but uh, there are a lot of good stories on the Chicago Cubs and it's not necessarily around the superstars. I'm with you. You love Tommy Nance's story. You love the stories on this team. And Bruce, we love your stories. Because Tony and I probably wouldn't have thought of that. So thank you. That's always good stuff. And thank you everyone for listening always to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Windrush. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. For Bruce Levine and Tony Andraki, I'm Elise Meneker. Thanks so much for listening.